Welcome to the Six Figure Jobs Podcast. My name is James Nicholas Kinney. I'm your host. I'm super excited to have a dear friend of mine, not like podcast world friend or social media friend, but an actual friend in real world, Miss Tina Robinson. Tina, thanks for joining me today. It is my pleasure and my honor. Yeah. Um, a little bit more about Tina, you, you guys, you're certainly in, uh, in for a treat. Tina is a former vice president of one of the largest software companies on the planet Earth. Uh, she's also a professional coach, uh, a dear member of the human resources community here in Los Angeles. Um, it's hard to talk about all of Tina's skill sets, but she always keeps it honest, always keeps it real, um, has been above six figures for a long time in her career, but she didn't start there. So, Tina, we're calling on you today to learn about what it takes to get a six-figure job and uh, push yourself forward in your career. Tina is currently leading leadership development at Textile, which is a really cool uh, company in Los Angeles as well. So Tina, once again, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Tina, just to kind of lay it out again, and we talked about this before the call, six-figure jobs is all about removing this veil, psychological ceiling, if you will for people to reach well-paying gigs, right? Um, I think sometimes with the Gary Vaynerchuk culture, jobs get this bad rap, you know, that um, entrepreneurship is the only way, hustle, 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 side hustle, grind, all the kind of uh, rhetoric that has came out in the last couple of years. But jobs can be a great thing uh, because you get paid to learn on jobs. Um, They are stable. And most successful entrepreneurs have had some sort of job because you learn feedback loops, you learn how to get a no, you learn how to get a yes, right? And you've balanced entrepreneurship and professional uh, careers. So we're here to help women, people of color, um, all kinds of folks really break through that psychological ceiling of having a six-figure job. I love that. And I think you and I are in many ways, living the future of work, which is we've let go of how we get paid. How we get paid can be a paycheck. It can be as a freelancer. It can be a hybrid. It can be a time-specific contract. Letting go of that and really just focusing on how do we use our strengths and our talents and enjoy what we do and find a way to get paid for it, whatever that may look like. Exactly. What kind of person does it take to create multiple streams of revenue and a job uh, or a career, six figures plus, maybe one of them, but then you have multiple streams of, of income, correct? Absolutely. It takes somebody who knows how to brew a really strong, uh, a really good cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly. So, Tina, you know, I've known you for at least five years, but, you know, I don't really know your origin story. So can you kind of break it down? Like, where are you from? Like, how did you grow up? Like, how did you become the Swiss Army knife of badassery that you are now? Aw. Well, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C. And then when I was looking at colleges, I fell in love with... University of Virginia. So for anybody who's seen that beautiful place, um, it was designed and built by Jefferson. And think of him what you want, um, but he did a lot of pretty amazing things. And the school is beautiful. And it is a, 
it's on the list of historic places and it's been around since the since 18 early 1820 early to mid 1820s right. and i fell in love with it and at the time it had the number one ranked english program in the us and so that was what my plan was was to focus on that because it's what i had always really enjoyed doing i didn't quite know what i was going to do with that decided that after I graduated, I wanted to do something tied to publishing. So I got a job at a nonprofit um, in the D.C. area working on their monthly magazine staff, and I was making $22,000, and I thought I had died and hit the jackpot. It felt (laughs) like, as a kid who's worked since she was about 11 and could babysit, um, who put herself through school, who always worked at least two jobs all through school and every summer, it felt amazing to just have one full-time job <laughs> and that it paid me. Um, I actually also uh, tutored. So the idea of just having one job didn't last very long. Then I took another uh, another job at another publishing company and went up to 25. And I thought, oh my God, you know, I've really made it. 25K, yeah. (laughs) 25K. I'm not going to put dates to that, but let's just say it was long enough ago when that was decent money for an English major. Okay. And then I fell in love with management and people and humans at work. And I said, okay, for me to do this kind of work, I need to sort of catapult myself onto a different path. So I decided to go to business school and I wanted to go to a top 10 school because of There is a reason you go to top schools. You try to go to schools with a brand name because if you're making a sharp right-hand turn in your professional path, you need the boost that that brand can provide. And that was important to me. So I I was very fortunate that I got into Michigan, which at the time was ranked number two. in in, School of Business, right? Yes. The Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. This was pre-Ross. And... um, did well there. And so I, my job out of business school. So here I was a simple girl who left for business school, making 25,000 and graduated and got a job in management consulting, making well into six figures. Now, thank you for bringing that up because I was going to ask you, did you go to business school specifically with the intention of, I know you said you like management and you like people, but was there a specific narrative from the business school and your colleagues and family around you that if you go to B school, you're going to make six figures plus? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And this was the late 90s, which was an amazing time to be in business school and the economy was flush and how many job offers would you like? And um, Basically, the world felt like my oyster for the very first time, I think, ever. And it was pretty amazing. And there was a part of me, though, that felt like, really, I'm just, after two years and this brand, I'm suddenly worth five times as much Mm -hmm. as I was before. It was a little unsettling. And there is sort of this feeling of you have to sort of not quite fake it till you make it, but you have to just sort of own it. And say, okay, they're paying me this much money. I have to act like I'm worth it mm. until I believe it myself. Yeah, got it. So after uh, business school uh, at U- University of Michigan, what was your first six-figure job 
And how did it feel uh, to hit that milestone? So I took a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers mm. uh, doing organizational change consulting as part of management consulting. And I remember they were wooing me. I, I would receive gifts in the mail from them, wow. which was bizarre. And I just felt <laughs> it's like Cinderella going to the ball. And I'm married to somebody who has followed his passion for his entire professional life and has spent his career writing about cars. So he does what he loves and he's very good at it, but he's never going to make a ton of money. He makes enough and for him to keep doing it. So he was entertained by it as well. Right. Yeah. Now, so 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 going back to your origin story, clearly starting at 22K and the way that you described your story, I can tell it's not like your grandparents had a trust for you or your parents had a trust for you and you inherited a shit ton of money, right? My father was and uh, he was from Argentina. So he was an immigrant. So I'm a first generation college student. He didn't even graduate high school and he was a, um, a house painter. His, his entire professional life here in the U.S. So there was no money for me to go to school unless I earned it with my grades and grants and loans and jobs, which is what I did. So, yeah, I worked very hard for everything. So right. to get that first six that first six figure job just feels immensely gratifying. But I will tell you, I did consulting for a few years. And then I accepted a job at the University of Michigan and my salary dropped by half. Ah, yeah, yeah. So so let, let me ask you this. In terms of what kind of emotional and psychological skill set do you think it took to land that job? Because you did it. And by choice, you went to the university for something that's more fulfilling. And that's the person that I know of you today. But you've been to the mountaintop. And now on your own, you, you're still at the mountaintop, right? But that was a choice. Um, but in order to stay at that six-figure level, you know, what type of, again, the, the thing about most people and the point I'm trying to make is that going to business school, you could go to Harvard, you could go to Stanford, you could go to a community college or no college at all. But the mm -hmm. people who get to six figures plus, there is a choice within the person emotionally and psychologically that they choose to get there. So for someone like you, who you didn't see it through your dad, you didn't see it through your mom, there were people in your community that set that for you, you had to make that choice. Um, how would you articulate that choice for you, that drive? It's a very good question. I think that you have to really understand your own values. And money isn't for everybody. I mean, I'll use my my husband as an example. He likes that he makes decent money doing what he does, but his, his priority is to do what he likes to do and find a way to get paid for it. And he has turned down opportunities to step into larger roles or, or to take leadership roles because it would take him away from what he likes to do, even though that would mean more money. Right. So I think it's understanding your own relationship with money and what money means to you. There are plenty of people who will deliberately go to business school because they want to make a lot of money. They will go into investment banking or another field to make a lot of money. I chose business school because it was an avenue for me to get the education that I needed to do what I wanted to do. 
I think as much as I as I cared about the salary and wanted to have the freedom and security that money could provide to me, you don't have to go to business school. So I do not want anyone listening to this to think that the only way to a six-figure job is to go to business school. There are plenty of people out there who don't even go to college. So honestly, I think really Anything that you read about people who are making a lot of money, most of them will say, I figured out what I liked to do and became really flipping good at it Mm -hmm. so that I would command the money that that skill set and expertise would buy. That's a very poignant and simple answer. And I completely agree with you. Um, I did go to college, but I didn't go to business school. I've been well over six figures for a long time. And I grew up with having... um, uh, you know, cars being uh, uh, repoed out of our driveway and bankruptcy notices on the kitchen table and debt and credit cards. So I just decided that that wasn't going to be me. And that decision for me drove me to where I'm at now. And now mm-hmm. people like you and I, people professionals, we directly choose to invest in people based off of many things that we had be a part of our lives. So I agree with you that there's a lot of ways to get there. Business school is a clear and direct path. But for our listeners, yeah, it's really about sharpening your knife to the point where no one can deny you. That was my story is that I just Mm. decided I was never going to be denied in any room. And Tina, I know that of you. When you walk into a room, you've made a decision before you walk in. And that's the privilege of interviewing you here. I've seen you walk into many a room and I've been in your classroom. And yes, you have, and you're great in it. Oh, thank you. But there's something about you that there's a there's a switch that you flip. When you walk in, you've already decided what you are going to accomplish. So to young women who may be listening, um, and this is just kind of a broader question, and again, a, a pretty heavy question. Why do you think women are still underpaid when every human being can make that same decision? I'm no longer going to be held back. I'm a single mom. I'm a woman. Um, Why do you think women are still underpaid, even though they may make that decision that I'm going to do it? It's a really good question. I remember when I was at Michigan, we had our class was maybe a third, somewhere between 30% and a third women. And we felt like we had crossed this big barrier because that felt like a lot. And at the time, that was. So I began thinking about it even then. I think women... Women make choices about family and career that are influenced from very early on. So we are the products of conditioning from almost the moment that we are born. Mm -hmm. We are influenced by our parents, how we're raised, our peers, our friends, the parents of our friends, our grandparents. We could get metaphysical and say past lives, but there's a lot that shapes us. And so we make choices about following a boyfriend across the, to another state or, right. I mean, I remember I, even though my husband said, take any job you want, go anywhere you want, I knew that his world was based in Michigan. So I was, and uh, we were married halfway through my um, uh, program And I chose to stay in Michigan because I didn't want to disrupt him. So there was a sense of thinking for two in some ways. I also made a conscious choice not to have children 
So I think that that is, has supported my financial stability in its own ways. And that was my choice. So I think women make choices that they should just own and be proud of. I think women tend to not negotiate. I coach a lot of young women around salary and women most often do not ask for more money, whereas men will do it. Men will even just, they'll even say, yeah, I have a wife to support, so I should, I should make more money. And sometimes they get it. Yeah. Whereas a woman wouldn't think about saying that, well, I have a husband, so I should get more money. Yeah. No, you're right. A lot of the studies that I've read, and then as a HR executive, I know the, the pay gap often deals with marriage, children. If you're to be out of the workforce for two or three years and try to come back, there's a gap of time, there's a gap of title, there's a lot. But I like what you said, that it's it's a large issue from social conditioning and then these very specific cases. Um, mm-hmm. On the other side of that coin, to men who may be from Texas, West Virginia, M- Missouri, let's say they're not from New York or L.A. and even have the exposure about six-figure roles, um, what would you say to them that, you know, I'm a guy, I'm from a blue collar background. How do you break that ceiling that my dad made $40,000, my grandpa made $40,000. Now I'm out here. I went to community college. I got my undergrad, right? And now I'm out here. How do I break that ceiling? Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds. So I think you have to ask yourself, and it's funny, I'm, I'm thinking of a quote from Star Wars, because of course, that is what comes to mind. When Princess Leia says to Han Solo in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, when she said, when she says, you needn't worry about your reward, if money is all you love, then that's what you shall receive. And I think there is something about Deciding that money is important to you and owning that. And if money is important to you, you are going to make intentional, conscious choices to pursue money and just own it. Don't get all ashamed or be weird with it. If you want a six-figure job by the age of 25, you will have to make sacrifices and choices. Own it and then single-mindedly pursue that. If money is not important to you, then you can still get to six figures. And I would say then it's about what really is important. And if doing what you love is important to you, figure out what you love to do and find a way to get paid to do it and get really good at it. Because both paths will lead to financial success. Mm -hmm. One of them might be a little faster, but I know many people who went into investment banking and other money-focused careers who burned out, flamed out, and many realized that once they had all the money, it wasn't enough. Yeah. There's a lot of those stories. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the Icarus that got a little bit too close to the flame, right? Yeah. And recognize that we go through, as a friend of mine just shared recently, life stages and phases. You know, So a life stage is going to be your 20s. So you graduate from college, if you go to college, and you're saddled with debt. 
So now you need to make enough to pay off debt as well as be able to live and function. Then your next stage might be family. It might be kids. Then your next stage might be your kids in 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 school themselves if they choose to do that. Then your next stage will be, uh, I don't know, I don't have any kids at home and now I'm really going to focus on me. And then you start getting into retirement. Those are life stages. And at each of those life stages, you have different financial needs too. So I know that I've gone through periods I where I have made conscious choices to make less money. I mean, I left SAP as a vice president uh, for the big unknown of being an entrepreneur. And I didn't know what that was going to be like. In my first year, I did okay, but I didn't make as much. And I had this huge kick to the gut of self-worth. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not making six figures in a big corporate job, who am I and who's going to like me? Yeah. Well, because a title is a big part of that too. When you're part of SAP, you're a part of a global movement and a global re- recognizable name. So yeah, self-identity is often tied to that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And even though there there's cool cachet for being an entrepreneur, yeah, that's one thing to do at a certain stage of your life, but it feels a little weird at other stages. I am so grateful that I did it. It's how I met you, James. It's how I uh, it's it's what led me to to where I am today. So it absolutely was the right thing, but it took a lot of psychological resilience as well as a lot of careful savings too. Financially, I had set myself up so that I could afford to step back from a big corporate job. And I've seen you do that. You go back in house, you sort of replenish your financial coffers to then be able to go back out and follow your passion and do something more entrepreneurial. That's it. You know, and I learned that when I was on Wall Street. So my first job was 35,000 starting on Wall Street doing sales. And I noticed this pattern of executives that would go in-house, pop out, in-house, pop out. And I noticed that pattern. And you're right. So, you know, and I've always kept some sort of other company and something else going all while I was doing the corporate gig. And now with this, I'm so excited because people like yourself and, and me, we've been in this game so long. What I want the audience to understand with the Six Figure Jobs course is we're taking out all of the seemingly the mirage, the tricks. There really is no trick, right? It's like no. you 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 get the education, the experience, and or both. Um, there's applicant tracking systems. We'll teach you how to get through those. We'll teach you how to engage with the network in a proper way. But I think so many people in the world, and this is why this is so exciting, is that they feel hopeless. Like they have to wait to be successful. And the biggest thing, I think I said this in one of your classes, stop asking for permission to be great. Stop asking asking for permission to be successful. And when I listen to your story from 22,000 to where you are now, Tina never waited for anyone to be Tina. Tina was always Tina, right? I was different versions of myself. I would say that I'm happier now than I probably ever have been. And yeah, which is a really nice thing because as Princess Leia says, if money is all you love, then that's all you'll get. And so in the roles where I felt like I was doing it for the money or any time that I felt like I was using the word should 
a lot. I should take this job. I should be doing this versus do you really want to do this? Do you really want this job? Do you like what you're doing? And every time that I've leaned into want and like and away from should or need, it's been the right choice for me. Mm, I love that. Listeners, I hope that you are feeling what Tina is saying and you're slowing down and listening the decision-making, the empathy that she's using, the gut decision-making that she's using, and frankly, just the life game that Tina is putting you up on. Because six-figure jobs, really, we're here just to demystify that number. And she is. She's helping you say that it's cool now, it's cool later. But your satisfaction and your journey is really the most important part. So, Tina, mm-hmm. um, last question. Um, if I were graduating right now uh, in 2020, um, what and I wanted to reach six figures as soon as possible, let's say within five years, do you have a three-step drop of what that would look like even without business school? What mm-hmm. What do I have to do in this day and age? Is it Instagram, a blog, LinkedIn? Is it shooting a movie? What the hell is it in 2020? I mean, you have students right now that just graduated because you're a professor and you have students who just got business school degrees. If you really want to get six figures and let's say you just graduated from college, I would say be very deliberate about that first job. Mm. Look for a job that's ideally going to give you a brand name that you can carry with you. So either a first job that's going to give you some very specific next steps at that employer. So some kind of some kind of development uh, program, career paths, Um, talk to people who work there, find out what their early paths have been, or a company that's going to give you really great experience and a brand in an industry that you know is hopping. I mean, I was an English major, so I knew that I wasn't going to get six figures in three years without doing something very different. I loved being an editor and I love the field, but I knew my path. I mean, I wasn't an idiot. So go into booming fields, finance, tech, fintech, um, digital, anything, and navigate very consciously your path there. And if entrepreneur is more of what you want, I would say have a revenue stream while you're working in your parents' garage on that great app. Find a way to get paid to do something, even if it's driving for Uber or delivering food or doing what you need to do. Yeah, I I love that. I totally agree with that advice. That early brand name is important. If you can start at Facebook, then it could set you on a path to six figures sooner or maybe even get six figures fresh out of school. And then the industries with high growth certainly matter. So that's also important. And then for the other for the other folks, uh, follow your purpose is what I'm hearing you say, and you will get to six figures in a path that is more in line with who you are as a human being, right? Yeah, it may not be within three years, 
I would say anything's possible. And I love what you said, James, of give yourself permission. I, I wish I had done that earlier. I mean, I look back and it's wonderful to hear other people's perspectives on my own life. And there, I think I didn't really start to give myself permission to be fully, truly me until a lot later. And I wish I'd had the courage to do that earlier. I mean, I don't have any regrets and your path is your path. And I look back and I think, you know, I used to help my dad strip wallpaper. So I, I can honestly say I was a part-time stripper in high school. (laughs) I truly, and I have used that for trivia contests about me. Um, but you know, I did manual labor and you know, I've come a long way since then. Um, we are the, we're the product of our choices, you and me and all of us. Yeah, that's right. Well, on the six figure dogs podcast, we always say life is too short to be underpaid. But I think, (laughs) but with you, Tina, it's great having you on because to me, that means so many things. It means pay yourself emotionally, pay yourself with the partner that you choose, pay yourself with your education, pay yourself with the reinvention of your career, and then pay yourself enough to allow yourself enough time to fully blossom into the person that you are. I'm going to have a guess here. Tina Robinson is not going to stop evolving. I, I I bet over the next five years, I'm going to see you. I don't see you going back in house, but I see you evolving into more and more things. And I think you've developed a skill set now where you're fearless, you're focused on your truth and your journey. And through that, and this is what I tell candidates and people in the Six Figure Jobs program, the minute you speak to someone who's true of who they are, they come across as six figures plus and so much more priceless, right? But you want to work with those people and you want to hire them or partner with them because you can tell they are authentic to their own journey and you can trust what's coming out of their mouth. That is beyond anything. And you can't give it to a student or a young candidate or an executive for 20 years. So I applaud you for having that much growth that only you could do. Only you could do that, Tina. Well, I have good, I've had good role models and very good friends, and you are both. So I have, I've learned a lot from you, and I, um, I love your agility. I love that you can flex across different functions, and that even if you feel the fear, you act in spite of it. And that's really what courage is. Courage isn't about being fearless. We all have fear. Yeah. Fear, we need fear in our life. It's what keeps us safe and it's what also motivates us. And it's just about acting in the face of it and not letting it paralyze us. So I've, I'm very, very grateful that I have people like you in, in, in my life. And I think it's a great program. And I encourage everybody to take these lessons to heart. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. So for our listeners who want to get in touch with you further, maybe hire you for coaching or go to Loyola Marymount for business school, uh, how do people get in touch with you and learn more about you, Tina? Probably look for me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you. So it's Tina Robinson. And you can also look at Tina Robinson WorkJoy, which is the name of my own company. And the email address is tina at workjoycoaching.com. That's it. 
Awesome. Well, Tina, thanks so much for being on the Six Figure Jobs podcast. Life's too short to be underpaid. So let's get this money and however it makes sense for you on your journey. All right. Woohoo. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks, Tina. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.